Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the JersNet Weekly Podcast, the independent Rangers podcast, which is brought to you by fans for fans, and where the content is absolutely free. It's episode 185 of the flagship show here on the Sunday night. I'm your host tonight, uh, Colin Armstrong. See you every week, guys. Uh, it's not just the pod that we have here at JersNet. You know, we've got the website, uh, match previews, forums, all that kind of thing. History archive on, on the website as well. So get yourself on that. Uh, we'd ask you to subscribe to the, the YouTube channel, promote the pod and social media, all that kind of stuff, put the word out there. Uh, before I bring in my guests, uh, I need to mention our partners. We have two partners for, for the, the pod this season. Uh, first of all, it's Forest Precision Engineering, who are a, a Glasgow-based engineering company. Uh, they have been a big commercial partner of Rangers Football Club for some time. Uh, we're delighted that they're back, uh, back in the pod this season, and you can you can find out more details about them on www.forestprecisioneng.com. They also have uh, an, ex- an executive lounge uh, at the main stand at Ibrox. Uh, apparently stunning. I've seen some photos. It really is a cracking thing. Uh, so for information, if you fancy booking yourself into that for some uh, VIP treatment at Ibrox, uh, you can contact the club via hospitality at rangers.co.uk uh, and they'll give you all the details. Also, I have to mention Zenith Coins, uh, who produce the official Rangers Club coin. Uh, each gold-plated coin has a unique serial number engraved on the outer rim and comes complete with a Rangers presentation box and certificate of authenticity. Uh, loads of famous Rangers fans like Alan McCoy, Derek Johnson, Marvin Andrews, uh, Big Ton Stoltman and Gordon Ramsay all, uh, are all owners of, of uh, a coin collection. And they've also produced the 150th anniversary collection uh, which is limited to 1,872 sets. Uh, they're released in small batches. Uh, there's five uh, of Rangers history on that. It's the Founding Fathers, Ibrook Stadium, uh, the Cup Winners' Cup in 72, nine in a row and 55 league titles. Uh, you can get all the details on their website. Uh, so after that, I'll, I'll bring in my guests. Uh, it's been a while since I've seen them. It's, it's been a, a long, long time. Uh, I bring in Alex Anderson first. Like you're sitting in the dark there, Alex. I know. Do you know what I've done? I forgot. Remember the wee the wee light thing I bought from uh, you know the, the day we had the Dorothy Perkins loyal. Oh, uh, I, 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 I got the wee emergency you know stand for the camera, and it'd yeah. be light. I forgot that it's in the <laughs> other room. You know what I mean? And that's just that just used to light up my face beautifully, Colin. I actually look kind of fat and bald and old in this, so I need to get that. I need to get that back on just to get me. To get me going, mate. How's yourself? I hear you having a bit of problem with your. Uh, yeah, got a bit of a leaky roof. I had a plumber out through the week to fix it. Uh, it'll be getting phoned tomorrow <laughs> because just just before we, we came on air, uh, it started leaking again. So whatever it is he's done, uh, which costs five hundred pounds, he's not fixed the problem. So uh, you, you made it up. like a like a true pro. You're here anyway. Yeah, I'm here. I'm raging. <laughs> but I'm here. Well, you're, you're uh, in the right mood then for talking about yesterday's performance. Honestly, honestly, if it's no one thing, it's something else. Honestly, I'm pissed off in middle age because it's just one thing after another, if I'm being honest. Uh, speaking of middle age, uh, we've also got Stuart Weir on tonight. Uh, that was a nice segue into bringing you into the conversation, Stuart. Uh, it was more cheeky than nice, <laughs> um, I have to say. It was, uh, but, th- but thanks for the welcome anyway. It has been a considerable while since... Uh, I, I've seen anybody on the other end of the, the uh, screens here, so looking forward to this evening. Yeah, it'll be good. I should point out that Stuart recommended the plumber, so that's why I kind of had a go at him there. <laughs> I'm joking, he didn't. He didn't. Okay, I'm Stuart, has a, Stuart has got an in-house plumber. <laughs> Me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm equally interested about the, um, uh, about the new um, sponsors, um, Forest Precision Engineering. Um, for this this season, I might phone them up and see if they've got a couple of shifts going, given my track record and uh, in that particular <laughs> department as well. It's uh, the amount of sponsors we've got. We'll, it'll just be like me mentioning the sponsors, introducing the guests, and saying, "Right, guys, see you next week." Yeah, that'll be that. <laughs> anyway, right on to on to football matters. The first first game of the season yesterday uh, against Livingston at the Tony Macaroni Stadium. Uh, uh, I prefer spaghetti had. Can we call it spaghetti had? <laughs> aye, aye. Call, call it what you want. I, I just even my wife. Uh, my wife was night shift uh, on Friday night, so she sort of came down halfway through the game, sitting eating her breakfast, and she, and somebody mentioned the Tony Macaroni Arena, and she's like, "Is that what that sounds called?" <laughs> I was like, "Aye." She's like, "That." <laughs> I was like, "It is. It's the most ridiculously named ground uh, possibly ever." But 
Uh, I mean, I, I've, I, I've said this before in the show. I, I, I genuinely am struggling to, to think of a decent game of football I've seen. Even when it had, it just seems to be a ground that doesn't produce great games of football. Obviously, some of that's down to living and what they're trying to do. Uh, but, you know, in terms of the game, didn't go off to the best of parts. I think that's fair to say. And, and for a long, long time, it looked like we were going to drop vital points right on day one. Uh, until that sort of late comeback. So, I mean, I think we deserve the win. I think overall, we were by far the better team. And obviously, by far the mo- most possession first half. Didn't use it too well. Second half, I, I think we were more productive and, and, and cut through them a bit better. Uh, but just great to get that those two goals later on and get the three points. Aye, it was uh, just, just straight back to kind of square one. You're, you're totally getting through the ringer. Um, I don't use... I, but you boys did well last week. Yeah, and last week, last Sunday show, you were talking about being at the friendly with Spurs. That's more than that than I've made this summer. I've still not been to see us. Uh, I had tickets for the West Ham game. I had tickets for the Tottenham game. But I just, I might have mentioned them. Um, I didn't get to uh, Seville. I might have mentioned that uh, before. Um, and it kind of caught me up. Um, last season was absolutely mental. I might also have mentioned to everybody that's ever met me ever that I, I moved house last year and I turned that into a massive trauma as well. So I was just looking forward to a really good summer, but I took on some work that I couldn't get out of the way. So basically, I was absolutely knackered. I've been knackered. <laughs> I yeah. couldn't face. And see these folks like, oh, I can't wait for the football season to start. It's like, how, how easily they forget what the football actually pitches you through. See if you actually care about a team, it pitches you through so much. And uh, yesterday, I actually ended up, one thing I did find out is I'm no a jinx. Didn't go to Seville, we get beat. Did go to the cup final, we won it. Um, and I missed the first quarter of the hour yesterday because I was taking a car back. Um, I'd been hired a motor there to do a bit of driving down south last week. Um, so when I came in, we were getting beat. I was like, oh, that's good, it's no me. It's officially no me anymore. <laughs> um, but that was about the only kind of positive I could take for it, mate. I, it was um, it was a bit, it was this whole thing of, oh, I can't wait for the fit, but to start. No, you just know what's going to drag you in, suck you in. You're going to go through uh, things that you went yesterday, went through yesterday for that kind of uh, first hour or so. Um, but I, it was all worth it. And to me, Colin, I, I think, uh, generally speaking, I think I'm being positive about it. I think we actually look like a team um, who've done a lot of big things last year, really recently. And it takes out, you know, you're going to be rusty. It's a lot, you need a lot of recuperation for that. And we also look like a team who's got big things to do this season and be kind of waking yourself up, kind of lumbering beast, ready to go for everything on all fronts. And um, I think the two, the first two games of last season in the league, you know, we, we beat Levy 3 0. Um, uh, quite emphatically, although there was, a bit, there was a, quite a long spell in that game, we, we, we struggled a bit after had you get uh, injured. And then we lost at Tanadice you know and didn't play anywhere near as well as we played yesterday yeah. and I feel as if that was both games combined both the games kind of combined yesterday you know we had the kind of we're not quite going we're, 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 we're going through the emotions we're doing the things that, you know, that, that we're supposed to do we're kind of hitting the uh, we're hitting the byline we've got the shape and all that but it wasn't coming to anything we looked you know really blunt um, for a long for a long period in the, in the first half but eventually we kind of we kind of saw them waking up and I think a lot of new boys a lot of and all old players as well um, kind of found out the hard way that you know, G will no stand for any nonsense you're not doing what you're supposed to do you will you will go off and there's I think we've got a we, we saw the first inklings of the kind of size of squad we've got and this this squad can actually do good things Yeah Stuart I mean I mean obviously the first thing you look at you, you look at the starting lineup. you know the, the team coming out is probably the first thing uh, of, of, of the day that you look at and Myself and, and, and Gary were, were doing a preview show on, on Friday night there. And we were sort of saying, you know, that the, the back four is settled. Based on the players who were available, you kind of had a rough idea who he was going to play. You got that right. Goalkeeper was up for up for grabs. The front three, I think, was picking itself again based on the players that were available. But it was that midfield three area. It was like, well, who's he going to go with? Uh, so, you know, he's, he's, he's went with Lundstrom, Kamara. And, and Lawrence and you know I mean first things first I think that we need to discuss McGowan I mean is this a sign that he's now the new number one or are, are we going to keep us or I saw Douglas Alexander in the Sunday Times today suggesting that it was because it was on an artificial surface that they were protecting McGregor how do you see it do you think that's that's McLaughlin in the number one shot now uh, no I don't I think um I think Dougie Alexander might have actually had a good um, point 
there that the last thing you want is unnecessary damage to the guy who might be your number one goalkeeper, especially, and you might not like it, um, especially at his age, um, because I, I still think he is the number one. And I think McLaughlin, decent enough goalkeeper as he is, I think is expendable when it comes to, you know, to to what Rangers are going to uh, try and achieve this season. Um, it, may, it might work out differently in weeks to come. I thought the goal um, was a collective shambles. Um, Barisic, whether he was frightened of losing the ball in the air or being turned, he backed off far too much. Um, or whether, it was, whether he was pressured or felt pressure, Playing alongside somebody he hadn't actually played beside, um, you know, in 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 terms of a new um, centre back combination um, with with Suter playing there, who knows? But it was a a bit of a catastrophe all in, and the kind of goal I would have to say that over a great many years I have witnessed on the first day of the season, time and time again, where it looks as if there's actually guys who've played for a season or two together who actually look as if they hadn't been formally introduced at pre-season training. Yeah, it's, it's I mean, the, 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 on the starting 11, you know, there was competitive debuts handy to Suter, uh, Lawrence and, and, and Cholak. I think, I think we, we should focus on Suter for the moment. I don't think he had the, the best of days, I think it's fair to say. I, I saw someone suggesting on social media today that it, you know, that there's been a, an incident in his private life recently, and I don't know how true that is, and I don't, I don't want to speculate too much uh, in case, in case that's not the case. Uh, I mean, there could be multiple reasons. I mean, we've seen players come before. I mean, Andy Gorham, you know, God bless him. You know, when yeah. he arrived at Rangers, he, he never really got off to the bed. Uh, but yesterday, I, I think he struggled a wee bit against Spurs as well. But I will say that Suter is. Or, or any Rangers player who comes in and, and has because I think it's fair to say bad day far too early to write them off you know what I mean I, I think we've seen in the cup final and we've seen last season that, that you know the, the boy's a good player uh, so I think it's, it's I have seen some stuff on, on social media going down that road criticising he's not good enough all that kind of thing early days yeah I think Aye. The, the, the first and foremost reason being presented by a lot of uh, pundits and what have you Colin was that um, he was used to playing in a three on the right hand side at Hearts last season. Then he's he's going he's on he's on the left hand side in a four man defence uh, yesterday. So he's he's, he's not used to it. Um, I think also we'll, we'll talk about the big uh, big fella um, that, that scored the goal for uh, Livingston. It reminds me very much of if you're looking for examples of why we shouldn't be panicking. Uh, Hollander, his first time in the very same park. It was against Lyndon Dykes, and and I think. Uh, um, David Martindale has got his he's got his uh, his Lyndon Dykes again. Um, I have forgotten that fella's name. He scored a goal against us. He was man of the match, and I still can't Joel Noble. Joel Noble. Not that I'm biased. Not that I'm biggest around. I just I can't remember anybody who scores against Rangers' name. <laughs> but um, no, he. We saw we, we saw that, that night it was a League Cup game uh, two two seasons ago. Um, Hollander getting schooled on the park at the end of the game. By Stephen Gerrard as to how to deal with Dykes and yeah. how to go for the ball and that. And Hollander turned into, when he's fit, one of the best defenders we've ever seen. He's a, he's a, he's a class act, Hollander. Um, with me, it was Mark Haley. Mark Haley was always the go to, the, the, the Mark Haley rationale, you know, guy that had a terrible start and ends up being a, a, an absolute legend. I think we've got, I think Bassey's overtaken that now. <laughs> I think Bassey will be the, yeah. the guy forevermore that we, that we refer to when it comes to um, why you shouldn't write anybody off. Um, I mean, but, even McCoy, I mean, McCoy. Yeah, struggled. struggled. McCoy struggled for a number of years. You know what I mean? Yeah, it wasn't guys, just the first few months. That feeds into what I'm actually saying about um about it's the whole thing about you know fine wines and what have you. I'm no, I don't actually panic if Rangers start a bit slow. I know the way the league's going these days, the way it's been for the last twenty years. If if you drop points, you know you can only drop a certain amount of points. I, I know you, you want to hit the ground running, but um, I think as much for the new signings as for the team itself. I don't panic when it's a bad start because you almost feel that could be a sign of, you know, there's a lot of quality there and it's just real quality sometimes takes a while to, to gel. It never, sometimes guys that hit the ground, I mean, I remember the, the day we, I think Stephen Miller, the, the Rangers Archives fella posted um, 
recently, in the past few days on Twitter, when we beat Motherwell at Third Park under Paul Le Guin in his first league game. Yeah, you know, yeah. and we looked like, and we only I think we only won the game by one goal, but we looked like we were playing football for a different dimension. You know, um, we looked absolutely amazing. We, we ended up looking like we were playing football for a different dimension later on in the season, but in a bad way. Um, but I think we shouldn't we shouldn't panic at big fella. I saw the same rumours um, being banded about on Twitter that you're talking about, um, and I think settling into Rangers, I think maybe if you're coming for another Scottish club, it might even be harder. Um, so, but big suitor, he's, he's shown his quality. Particularly, I think even when he's in, he's, when he's in Jackie McNamara's kind of exciting young Dundee United team that you know beat us in the Scottish Cup semi-final at Ibrox back in 2014. Um, they had all the, like Ryan Gold and uh, all the kind of players in. Um, Stuart Armstrong and what have you. He was he was he was quite an exciting forward going defender sitter. So I don't think we've even seen him maybe in a settled position. Um, and I, I certainly I wouldn't be judging him. Um, it's a hell of a place to to start. Um, your Rangers career yeah, as yeah. Livy, Livy away, you know. Um, but no, 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 nobody's nobody's writing them off. But um, I get Ben Davis as fit as possible, quickly as possible. Uh, you know, just, you, you, sorry, you know, you, you know, you're just going to you're going to be facing the howitzer shells coming in on top of you. You know, basically, basically, Livingston line up as if they're in a war footing, but they're playing at their strengths. And and the point, Colin, um, you know, you made there, and um, you know. Ah, it's the point that you made about respectively about Gorham and, and McCoyst. Everybody thinks, oh, McCoyst scored after 33 seconds against Celtic. McCoyst was threatened by Jock Wallace by a loan deal going to Cardiff ahead of the League Cup final, which was the making of McCoyst. Oh. You know, you, you, you could name a, a Rangers Legends 11, and out of that team, not one made a decent debut or a decent start to their career. Brian mm. Loudrup. Rangers lost three nothing in aggregate to AEK Athens. That's hardly an auspicious start. So you know, a guy playing on a, an artificial surface, maybe in an artificial position as well. You know, having seen um, the onus put on him in terms of the defence, with what Barisic had, had done as well. Listen, I'm I'm willing to cut the guy a bit of slack. In, in terms of the other two that, that started yesterday, uh, Stuart Lawrence and and, and Cholak, Never really seen much from him. I mean, in, in, in Cholak's case, I, I think you can look at. I mean, I think Rangers had over forty crosses or something yesterday, but I think the quality of them wasn't particularly good, especially in the first half. But it's it's, it's where the crosses go, though, isn't it? I yeah. mean, if you you know, we're old enough to remember um, the likes of Tommy McLean and and Davy Cooper and Willie Johnson and you know umpteen other guys basically putting it on the the, the centre forward's head. I mean, yesterday it was like it was like one of those um, kind of sp- place the ball competitions you used to do in Littlewoods, Martin crosses all over the television, wondering where the ball was going to go next. He yeah. didn't have an easy time of it, and and, he, and I thought he was isolated at times. I thought Lawrence get into some decent positions, much the same as Scott Wright, but I wasn't quite sure what one of the two was actually trying to play through the middle at times and what one was maybe even joining up with Cholach as a secondary striker. And I don't think I don't think that looked as if it had actually been explained to one or two of the players on the pitch either. It looked they, they looked quite disjointed. Um and it took until half time and into the second half until one or two um, you know, amendments were made, one or two changes were made to the actual the the eleven that 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 Rangers eventually came good. Uh, I mean, I mean, we really did. I mean, after after that opening goal, I mean, you know, Borna doesn't cover himself in glory, and I think there's maybe a conversation that we had about Borna in terms of you know, is it maybe time that we, we move him on? Uh, obviously, Suter's not covering himself in glory. But, you know, it was early on in the game, you know, the first five minutes, you think, right, okay, if you're going to concede, that's probably the best time to do it, as early on as possible, and it gives you plenty of time to recover. But it was really, really concerning the way, it it felt like a a story and a picture we'd all watched a million times before, you know, loads of possession, side to side, and no real sort of cutting edge. And with the threat of them, I mean, I mean, Golson got a book in that, I mean, nobody did in the first half. You know, he causes a few problems on the break. Uh, I think he, 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 he got a booking out of Kamara and a booking out of Goldson. You know, so it did feel like, you know, I, because through the summer and the business that we've all done, 
you know, I was feeling really positive, thinking, yeah, we've finally got a bit of strength and depth. We've added to the areas we need to add to. And then, you know, 45 minutes, I'm like, this is just the same movie we've seen a hundred times before. How, how could this happen? I know, and I think it's starting to get mentioned as soon as uh, Livingston took the lead was at Rangers. The last time we lost uh, the opening league game of the season was 1998-99. Uh, and we won the treble, you know, that season. You know, I'm not, I'm not trying to set it up that we'll only win the treble if we get beaten the first game of the season. But um, I, I had a part of me, that, as, as I've said before, was kind of like, all right, maybe we'll just rush there. This is everybody's gelling together. Um, and I think it's a hell of a test. Your first game is that most awkward of, of Scottish fixtures. We've, we've started at Pataudry as well. Gerard's first game in, in charge. Um, his first league game in charge was up at Pataudry. We're down to 10 men and can see now Bruce Anderson come on yesterday and I'm thinking about that game. Uh, as well, uh, but I think we, we came through it, you know, and I think when you've got like three, McLaughlin is now a new player, obviously, like, but it's, kinda, it's a big moment for him, maybe starting the first league game of the season, as we're saying, but I think when you've also got three new signings, you can allow you can allow for a bit of kind of slow start, but as you say, there's so many players there, because the three guys who scored for us in that great night against Leipzig at Ibrox were on the park yesterday. You're just yeah. looking for that a bit more. You're looking for, there's enough players there that have been through um, been through the motions and, and, and know what's happening. As I always say, we've got a, we've got plastic pitches up at um, Mogai, up at Ockenhowie. You know, just throw some rubber pellets all over one of them and there's there's no way we, sh- we shouldn't know what we're going into uh, when, we, when, when we go to Livingston. The, the, the parts at Ockenhowie are lined correctly. You know, <laughs> you know goal lines that are three foot thick and stuff like that but that, that's I know that's and, and, and they water them every now and again to make sure that they're sticky uh, but I know what you're saying yeah but on, on Barisic I think we always talk about Born as a confidence player and I think the young fella arriving from Turkey um, arriving today uh, I, I, some players respond to a challenge if there's a guy who's going to kind of melt under the weight of a challenge unfortunately we're thinking maybe maybe it's Borna you know um, sorry but anyway sorry um, but the game he had against Celtic at, at Parkhead it took him a while to recover for that but he ends up you know he's playing the Europa League final I was reminded yesterday of the, the, the game against uh, Hibs the season before last season 155 we drew two each and we, the two goals we lost were aberrations goals Rangers lose are always aberrations as far as we're concerned but they were bad and it was the two goals there was a bounce there's a sweet spot for the opposition that, you know, a, a weak spot for Rangers that you can hit we did the same against St. Johnson at McDermott, our first game last season, same thing, Tav scoring a, a wonder goal, we come back for one nothing down to win 2-1. Um, there's a bit where you can just hit the Rangers' defence, where the ball can take a bounce, or have a, a guy totally isolated who can flick it on like yesterday, and it seems to be out towards Borna. That game against Hibs a couple of years ago, it was kind of like, I think it was him and Holander didn't know what one, didn't know where to go, didn't know what one was to go and cover it, and what one was to kind of... Um, what wants to attack the ball? What wants to sweep up? And yesterday, I think you also saw between um, Lundstrom had a man closer to him than than uh, the fellow that got the flick on, you know. But it almost looked like Bonus thought, right, I'll let I'll let you go. I'll let Lundstrom cover that. But he's no cover. He did the same at Ross County last last season as well. That that night we were at Ross County. I know yeah. everybody's blaming Alan McGregor, but Bonner Barris if he's nowhere to be seen, and when he actually came into the camera as, as the ball was going to the back of the net, where players are fronting their knees. Borna suddenly appears, kind of like if he stayed right and starts. Like, Where were you? Where were you? We needed somebody to clear the ball yeah, off the line. Yeah. He just has a tendency to wander um, and, and, to, and, and to leave somebody really isolated. So I don't know if he's um, thinking he's he's going elsewhere or whatever, or it's just Borna has this uh, in his game. But he's still you're still looking for Suter for a, for, a, for that class of centre half to, to deal with the big fella better um, once once he gets the flick on. Um, but Colin, the main thing for me is we we came round, we turned we turned it around, you know, and we kept going at it. Cholach, I'm I'm, I'm asking you guys, I'm, I'm interested to talk to other Rangers fans and find out. See the thing that he's not getting in touch because he's it's because he's refusing to come out the box. He's always available. The cross is only coming in. I'm trying to make up my mind. Is that better in terms of holding the shape than when Alfie does that thing where he gets bored because he's not getting the service and he starts coming out and coming deep. And a lot yeah. of the times he's then not there for the crosses he's helping make. Yeah, great. Um, yeah. Is it better having him staying in the box even though he's not getting any service? And eventually, I mean, he should have had a goal in the second half as well. Uh, eventually, it works in the rest of the team plays. Or is it, do we want him to come deeper to get a touch? I don't, I, I don't think so. Yeah, but a striker who plays in that position, 
ultimately is only as good as the support he gets, either with the balls that are getting played into him or the guys that are actually running from midfield. And and that's where I thought there was, you know, Trollach, Lawrence and uh, and Wright, there were there was there was nobody in support of the, the other guy. So if Cholax did get the ball and held it up, there wasn't anybody running from midfield into that kind of space. That might come through time. You know, I, 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 I will remember with um, Thomas Buffel and 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 Perso, uh, you know, and Alex McLeish explaining how Rangers would play with these two guys. And it never quite worked out. Saying that, he was trying to compare um, um, Perso um, with John Carew and was uh, was trying to you know compare um, uh, Biffle with um, uh, you know how it was, it was playing in midfield for Valencia at the time, um, and 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 it didn't quite it, it didn't quite gel or quite knit. If it does come off, you need the guy you need the guy who's playing in centre centre attacking midfield to be buzzing right onto the shoulder or you're doing the sides of where your striker is, either for the ball to get flicked on, or for him to hold the ball up and lay it off. And that just didn't happen yesterday. And and again, it, it may be too easy to 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 say that it's because of the, it was the first day of the season and they're really used to playing, even blaming the pitch. I think it was a number of factors. Um, it just didn't click. But it did click ultimately when... Tillman came on, and I think he looked uh, he looked a more complete player than anybody else that Rangers tried in, in those two positions during the first half, especially. I just well, I'll just, quickly say, just quickly say this, Colin. That's me. Sorry, mate. I'll, I'll, I'll shut up after this. But the, the, on that, is the thing is we we right Scott right. I wasn't sure there was a lot of talk about it. Was, was did it get taken off because he was getting kicked left, right, and centre? He was injured, or was it a tactical thing? Because to me, watching the game, you know. Like, Naively as I was in the first half, Scott isn't getting a touch. Scott Wright is getting touches, and he's, he's he should have brought a red card out of uh, Canker. Um, he seems to get up, but I think it get talked about half time and Sky how he was kept passing inside. He was in cutting back inside most of the time, and I'm wondering. So he gets replaced. It was actually tactically because he wasn't doing what he was supposed to do. So you get a situation where Scott Wright, to the to the kind of you know an amateur like myself, looks like he's really busy. And he's getting lots of the ball and he's he's dribbling past Livingston players, which is what we want. Cholax isn't getting a touch, but Cholax is sticking to what he's been told to do, and Scott Wright isn't doing his bit. And that, that's but quite encouraging. But he's doing a distance between them. Uh, you know, if you're yeah. if you're if you're 30 yards away, you've then got to take possession and run towards the striker. If you're almost like playing 10 yards off the striker, far easier to find. And I thought Tillman filled that void that, that Rangers had to manage yeah. to fill in the first half. Sorry, he's were breaking up a wee bit there, guys. Uh, right, uh, uh, sure. Sorry, on on Kanka, but you know the Don Robertson thing where he, he didn't produce the second yellow card. Now I have to say, I, I, I'm not someone that's always looking for players to get sent off. Always want both teams after that mob, obviously, to to finish with a, a eleven men. I think, especially early on in the game, sometimes it can ruin a game, but. I mean, I don't think we can we can doubt the first yellow. I mean, that's a, that's a definite yellow, and the second one looked a stick on for me as well. I mean, he's made no attempt to play the ball. To me, it was just a kick. He's just kicked Scott Wright, uh, and how Robertson decided not to send him off, I, I, I find it staggering. If you take those two as isolated incidents, they are both bookings. Yeah. If you if if you basically piece them together as Don Robertson managed to do yesterday, where one was a booking and the other was a warning, then you're 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 basically refereeing by numbers. You know, you either have to have the consistency and also have a have a bit of bottle about your decision making um and 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 see it through. Otherwise you're going to let 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 people down. And ultimately these things come back and and bite you because what happens is you don't get a decision in the first half or the opposition get a decision in the first half and then it's levelled up later on. And, you know, it, it, it's just a... For me, it was a... It was it typified the level of officialdom in Scotland yesterday. The the, the call for Trollach as well, when the linesman's looking right along 
and you know, and if you can't see somebody, it's because somebody else is level with them. Mm-hmm. And if you if you don't see these kind of things or make those kind of judgment calls, it honestly makes you wonder how bad do you need to be not to get a game in the top flight in Scottish football? As for the the width of the the, the lines, I I wouldn't hear anything of it. Listen, we all remember Graham Souness. And narrowing the pitch against Dinamo Kiev by about 150 yards when they were literally playing down a cricket pitch. Um, so yeah, but he narrowed it to the, the, the minimum that it was allowed to narrow it. You know, the, the lines at Levy are, what was it they said yesterday, four or five centimetres? Aye. You know, and, and like, like on a serious note, it is quite funny, but on a serious note, if VAR was in effect tomorrow and you had a sort of dodgy decision, was the ball over the line, was the ball not over the line, and it's had to go to the goal line technology or bar or whatever, those four centimetres could, could make a difference between a goal and, and not a goal. The thing that concerned me yesterday in the decision making was that if Scottish football has VAR introduced, is like how long games, it'll be like, it'll be like American football will all be buying Jeeps and Range Rovers for picnics outside the grounds because we'll be there for three and a half hours with that many reviews of, you know, uh, of, of, of the most basic of, of decisions. You know, uh, VAR is going to come into Scottish football and everybody's going, oh, it's great, we're finally caught up. I'm not. You, no, but you can still have clowns, absolute clowns, Actually, actually looking at the pictures and, and trying to decipher what they're actually seeing, I don't think this is a fix. In fact, honestly, I can see the headlines already that, that there's got to be decisions being made, even with VAR and even with the cost of VAR, that are still going to be dubious or just downright wrong. Well, my argument with VAR has always been the technology is only as good as the people that are using it. And I think you have to look at the, 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 the absolute shambles that, that's happened down the road. You know, okay, it has improved. It's got better. They've ironed out some of the kinks. But every week on match of the day, they're talking about some decision or another. But it's just an absolute farce. So, and I, I just don't think, I just don't think we're mature enough up here for VAR. If anything, I think it's going to make it worse. I, I think the 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 controversy uh, will increase. But why, why the tell. hell? Why did that? Why the hell did John Logie Baird even invent television for us? Seriously, I mean that he's a, he's a problem. He's a problem. Yeah, Canada can, uh, Canada can have him now. I'm finished <laughs> with him. Uh, Stuart mentioned him uh, early on. Uh, you know, Tillman, Malik Tillman, when he came on, and he did. He seemed to make the difference. You know, he seemed to link things up a lot better. Uh, and I think within two or three minutes in the first half, he had a first shot on target. He should have scored. To be fair, that one when Borlas hit the sort of bar and post, and it's came back out. There was one angle sort of from behind where you saw the area he had to hit it. I mean, initially I thought it was a great save, but I think, you know, he's, he's pretty much just hit it straight with, straight at the keeper. Uh, but that aside, I thought he played very well and, and as I said, linked to play up and, and he felt when he came on that we were starting to do things with possession, we were starting to cut them up, we were starting to create chances and it, and it all right, it, took, it, it was it was a bit late in the game, but it did feel like we were in far better form than we were in, in, in the first half. As, as we were saying just before we come on the other, Stuart was talking about how uh, Ryan Kent gets a lot of abuse, but the one thing Ryan Kent never does is uh, stop trying. Um, and he will. He seemed to have a really poor uh, first half yesterday, but that's because Livingston, when they're still when they're energised, um, and, and they've got the early goal to make them even more kind of energised. They're, sh- they're doing that thing of doubling, doubling down in Ryan Kent, and we're always, I'm always asking, if, if we, that, that's great, you need that. If somebody's got to double down Ryan Kent, well, then why are we not exploiting it? And the gap left by the, the extra player they have to put on Ryan Kent, and I yeah. think when Tillman come on, that was it. It just started. I also think they probably had a rocket up them uh, for Geo at half time, just telling them to get their finger out generally. But we generally kept, we, we just kept going at it uh, in the first half. But then I think in the second half, Tillman comes on, makes a difference in terms of the overall pace, the overall energy. 
And um, yeah, he just, he just he just joined the club, the same club as Kent and all that, where he looks absolutely magnificent until he's in front of goal, you know. And so we're going to be doing the same thing all season. It's got, I thought, like, I eighty-three percent possession, and then we managed two goals. That sounds a bit standard. So we'll do that thing. Hopefully, where we we get to the final of everything and take the league to the last day of the season um, by scoring uh, the minimum number of goals possible, so we could have heart attacks as well. But no, I thought he was. It was, it was, it was, it made a, a real difference, Colin. I, really, I was really encouraged by him. It also freed up uh, Lawrence, I think, to do more of his kind of thing as well. He looked like he was suddenly having a bit more um, impact on the game. And I think there was a wee bit where we're just starting to put the, the pressure on. There's so many incidents in the second half, I don't know, it was just after we scored the goal, it was disallowed for God knows why, or just after when Borna hit the post and then the bar and the ball came back and led to Tillman having that shot. But it was a bit where the ball kind of went out to the right and Lawrence, who was pushed more over there now, he just stops the guy, he stops Livingston even clearing it. You know, he kind of keeps the ball, makes a tackle, an, an attacker tackle deep in their half, just outside their box. Where it was, and the crowd, you could hear the crowd just really picking up, the range of support picking up. Um, really encouraged by it. And it just felt like I were going to squash them. Now, you're, you're still worried it's one of those days, good goal disallowed, guy doesn't get sent off for Livingston, we're hitting the bar, we're hitting the post, we're missing a center. Is it one of the days, you know? But I love the fact that we just kept going and as soon as Ryan Kent got that space, um, he's putting the ball on Cholak's head, he puts the ball on Scotty Arfield's head for the for the equaliser with the right foot, the mind the left. He's, yeah. This gave us that bit of freedom where we just... I, I don't mind, the team's what he's sitting and do what they've got to do. Livingston, their resources, it's the madness of the Scottish League, the, kind of, the financial disparity. Teams have got to do that to want to make a game of it. It's, and Rangers have done been on the other side of that in Europe at times. We're quite happy to go and defend like mad because that's all we can do against teams with bigger budgets than us. But as long as we keep plugging away, we, di- we didn't, we looked like we started bored and got more and more, you know, interested in what I'm doing, which is the opposite of what we used to do a lot of times at places like Livingston. It was like, this isn't working. All right pass it from side to side, run out of ideas. It was like we kept going, we'd faith in what we were doing and, you know, the spaces started appearing and we took advantage of that. And that's, I think, the thing I find uh, most encouraging. And you brought on a new signing to do that, which is, uh, which is always really encouraging for the for the whole season. Eh? I thought the slightly ironic part was and everything that was said there in terms of Tillman and Lawrence and Wright, it was Arfield that actually got in the position of Aye. making a run from deep to get in it in the front post and get the header and, and tuck it away. You know, it's it, I, ideally you're looking for one of the kind of new guys or one of the other guys to be doing that. No waiting for somebody um, like Scott Arfield to come off the, the, the bench and celebrate yet another extension to his contract by, by getting equaliser. I thought it's oh, funny, it's funny. Goldson did a thing in the first half, sorry, in the first half when we're getting beat one nothing. Conor Goldson's actually hitting the byline and cuts the ball across the goal. And I see him and, you know, the defender almost kind of put it in his own net. It was, it, was, it was a dodgy clearance for the corner. But you saw in the pictures, Goldson says to Cholak, you've got to get across him. Cholak's applauding the cross and he didn't quite make it there. And Goldson's saying, no, you've got to get in front of him. Right. Uh, and it's, it's, I think it's really telling that Scott Arfield, who knows the score, and for some reason seems to hate his hometown, um, <laughs> just... Have you, have you ever been in love with really easy. You would really as well. <laughs> <laughs> so I think it's the roundabouts. You know what I mean? It's stuck. Yeah. Well, actually, I, 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 when, I, when I was doing my, my bit of the Rangers News, when I was at the Rangers News for a couple of years, uh, I, I, I got given a wee gig to do by Lindsay Hare and when we signed Frank de Boer. And uh, he phoned me and says, oh, we've signed Frank de Boer this morning. He's playing at Levy tonight. You've got accreditation, go over and see what you think, blah, blah, blah. I missed the whole first half because <laughs> it was just roundabouts. I just, just, just could not get to that fucking ground. I was just going off my nut with it, honestly. So I'll, I understand, I'll give, I'll I understand you one what of it. Scott Arfield takes his hometown. I really do. I'll give you one of the Boers. Uh, I know somebody who was doing a pre-season trip and happened to bump into the Boer at a wedding and interviewed him and then once he'd done the interview and lost sight of him wasn't he sure whether he'd actually interviewed Frank or <laughs> Ronald <laughs> there you go that is, that, is, that is absolute gospel truth I wouldn't well, yeah, yeah, I wouldn't name names but <laughs> just to you have to you. name names sure. no, 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 no 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 I managed uh, I was threatened. I was somebody threatened that in a court of law once, and I didn't. I didn't buy it either. Um, so um, it's it's a secret. It's safe with me. Okay, it, it, 
in terms of it, I feel that's that's how I was going to come on it. I feel actually, Stuart. Uh, I, I saw Twitter reacting the minute you know Gio was bringing on Sands and Arfield. Somebody was like, if he thinks this is the two guys that are going to save the day, then <laughs> you know what I mean. And I, I was reading it thinking, when are we going to learn? Because it's happened so often now with Gio, he knows the subs to make. And actually, when you look to the bench, you know, there, there wasn't a huge amount of options in terms of changing it up front. You know, the, the way I looked at it, it was giving you an extra goal threat. You know, you're taking Kamara off, putting Arfield on, which is an extra goal threat. And you're taking Suter off, who's having a bit of a bad day, and putting on Sands. And that just, to me, that killed the threat at that point of them getting the second goal. Because there was that point in the second half when Suter sort of got tangled up again and Goldson had to sort of bail him out. I felt when Sands came on, it just absolutely killed any sort of counter-attack sort of chances for, for Livingston. And so it's all about us. And then you've got that extra goal threat. And now I'm, I'm really sad. that I, I was sad when, when Ross left the pod, but I'm really sad today because he hates Scott Arfield. And I love the guy. I, I, to me, if you don't get what Scott Arfield brings to the Rangers then I, I, I can't help you but and here so in the wings so here in the wings is a live link here he comes here's Ross Ross is Johnny is Ross yeah. what do you have to say for yourself and your face aye. Aye, I'll be hiding that's what I'll be doing but I mean uh, you have to give Arfield credit you know a lot of people were giving him no, not giving him stick but questioning the extension and blah 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 and I think he just showed you yesterday exactly what he gives you Absolutely. Uh, I, I just uh, we can still uh, email in uh, Twitter, Ross. Anyway, we can still get in touch with him. I'm just hoping that Scott Arfield does move on because he signs for Tunbridge Angels, um, and, and Ross is going. To, Ross is going to be in the front page of the, 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 the Tunbridge Gazette. Welcome him. We open up. Man, 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 charged with restraining order. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually a really difficult thing to do that you made it look so easy but you're running in one direction heading the ball in the other direction exact opposite it's a lovely a beautiful backwards header um, and that's what that's fifth, fifth time he scored against Livingston I think three of them have been winners as well or winners and equalisers he even scored against Villarreal equalised against Villarreal in the first game in the group stages of Europe yeah. for uh, so many years and I think that was just because they were we had a kind of Levy type strip thing. It's just yeah. like, you can have it as well. You know, scored in, scored in both for Scottish Cup, scored in both for semi final appearances at Hamden last season, saved us in the, uh, the old firm semi final. So I don't I don't know how anybody can have a problem with Scotty Arfield. He's just a guy who totally gets it. And I think the one thing I always remember is last season, you saw the bit of footage where uh, Sands was, was arriving, he was getting introduced to everybody. And he's like in the corridor at uh, Auckland Howie. And uh, Scotty Arfield just walks up to him and goes, USA, you know, oh, don't forget about Canada as well. No, it's <laughs> absolutely brilliant. And you'd him, and also, I'm gutted Balligan's left because Balligan was up to the guy and doing the super sincere kind of, I know he's, I know he's placed for Nigeria, but he's half German as well, Balligan. He's in the very, the German kind of philosophical, nice to meet you, my friend. Now you'll settle in here comfortably. And Scotty Arfield's like, by the way, USA, you know, <laughs> get up, he's Canada's number one. So I think he's, he's, he's just a guy who will help all these players settle in as well, as much as anything else. But I think he's still got a massive, massive contribution to make on the just to, just to, what the two of you are saying there, I, I mean, you cannot say you need strength and depth in the squad and have somebody that you can sign for an extra year like Scott Arfield and just let him disappear at the door. That was that was some of the, you know, some of the chaotic management that we've seen in the past at Ibrox, where there's guys that suddenly leave Rangers and then go on and play for another two, three, four, five years elsewhere. Yeah. I'm not saying Scott Arfield's going to do it, but he's as well filling a... a, a, a a gap either on the bench or as a substitute or whatever um, in terms of the squad than just allowing it to drift out the door because the, the guy knows what he's doing and also he can work the instructions, he can play a number of different roles and and play them well and, and, and again, you either augment the squad or you just start from scratch again and, and play the guessing game and, and just get back to Sands there I mean, I, 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 I quite like the look of Sands when he was playing in the States. I, I said on here, I wasn't sure whether he was a kind of defensive um, midfield player or a centre-back. The, the, there's a bit about him and how he plays the game, and I would not compare light with light here. There's a bit about him that, that puts me in mind of Declan Rice, 
because Declan Rice can actually play that far back. He looks like as if he's a third defender sort of type thing. But he, equally, he's a rangy enough guy to get forward. And I think yesterday we saw with some of the passes he hit as well. Yeah, that, yeah. I, I mean, the switches of play, and you could see that that was that's why he was there. That that's why um, Van, Van Bronckhorst made that kind of switch because he knew the capabilities of that guy either to close the game down or indeed to open the game up by pinging diagonal balls and changing the emphasis and where Rangers were attacking. Sure, last thing on today's game, you know, I think I think Martin Dale summed it up the best way possible. You know, Tav does what Tav does. I, I thought the goalkeeper was at fault, and um, I, I put on I put on Twitter a, a still of just before the free kick was taken. I thought the goalkeeper lined up. He was trying to cover both sides of the goal, but actually he had a four-man wall to the right, which means they should be covering that bit which leaves him with a clear view of where the shot is. So if they, sh- they take the shot and it disappears, he knows he's going to his left. If it goes a direct shot, which is, it's going to be some shot to beat him, you know, in, in sort of line of sight, then he knows that's that's going to his side. And I thought he, 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 he gambled. And just before Tav hits it, the goalkeeper takes a big step to his right, yeah. which means he's coming off his wrong foot and having to go right across the goals. And you do not give somebody with the accuracy or the power of James Tavenier that that opportunity. There was a bit of a bit about that goal, different, different game, different context, and all the rest of it. There was a bit about that goal that reminded me of David Cooper against Australia in a World Cup qualifier when Terry Greedy was a goalkeeper. And David Cooper looked at it and actually looked at it again to make sure that am I seeing this right he's left a gap there I can't mm-hmm. see the goalkeeper and he's left a gap ping and it went and if you see if you actually watch this at a rerun of that goal you actually see Tavernier going and looking looking around the side of the wall and and lining up his own two players who, who, who basically moved and he knows exactly where that's going because he has to go around the side of the wall to see where the goalkeeper is and that should never have happened but there's another part of that, Stuart, the fact that maybe the goalkeeper's thinking, well, Tav's so good at three kicks, if he gets it over the wall on that side, I've got too much to cover on that. No, because because you're, that's why you positioned your wall on that side. You positioned the wall on that side for them to make the block or get high enough to try and cut out the free kick if it goes near post. If it's going far post, you should have a clear line of sight of, of where that's coming in. You know, as I said on Twitter yesterday, I I could say that on Twitter or I could say that, you know, tonight. I don't have Andy Gorham, sadly, texting me, shouting, or saying, shut up, wank, um, because that's what he would, I know, I know what he would say, what do you know about it? But but ultimately, I, th- I think, you know, somebody messaged me last night, another goalkeeper, and said, you're absolutely spot on. The, the goalkeeper, the goalkeeper makes it easy for Tav and, and somebody with his prowess and his shooting ability is not going to pass up on that ultimately it's still a great finish and a great goal because you need to have the you need the confidence and you also need to have the the, the wherewithal to, to to back yourself especially that later on in the game that that's that's your chance it's like a, a short a short corner at, at hockey that is your chance to score a goal and you know it was as good as a penalty ultimately the way the way he took it uh, moving on, uh, on to matters off the park uh, and to sort of surprise announcement a couple of weeks ago, we've, we've, we've not spoke about this yet, uh, from BBC Scotland that they issued an apology to the Angels, uh, which I think shocked us all. You know, I don't think any has seen it coming. Uh, and they, they, they said they would start covering Rangers games again. Rangers issued a counter sort of statement on Twitter saying they, they accept the apology, they accept... Uh, I think Michael Stewart had made an apology as well. So I just wanted to sort of get your your, your views on it because uh, one, I was surprised and two, you know, kind of thinking, well, that's good. You know, it it was a bit of a pain. You know, I I don't think it reflected well on both, although I think the majority of the blame in this line is BBC BBC Scotland. But three, I'm still a bit suspicious of BBC Scotland and, and I, I, I'm a, a bit wary about how the reporting is going to be from here on in 
you know, part of me thinks, well, wait a minute, they're, they're in the doors again, you know, they're saying they're coming in. They could just continue the way they've, they've been doing over the last few years. The only difference being is that they're coming in the front door now. Aye. Um, it's, a really, it's, a, it's a difficult one and we've only, we've only got limited time, uh, Colin, but I, it means a lot to me. Um, I don't just mean, I don't mean straightforwardly, well, it's great that we're back and speaking in terms of the BBC. It just it goes back to 2012 and how everything changed for me and for a lot of us at that time. I was always very vocally, don't behave like we're you know separated brethren across the city. Don't be going in the hoff with anybody, taking the brick bats and getting a bit of slagging, you know, because you're there to be slagged. You know, um, it's like yesterday the, the, the fella that um, scored the goal for Livingston winning the man of the match. You know, when we've had eighty percent possession, that's all about Rangers beating Livingston isn't a story. So anything that threatens to go against that story. We'll get better exposure. We've seen this happen, you know, all, all through the years. I mean, there's beating Falkirk in the uh, 2009 Scottish Cup final and getting eventually a boy was telling me how we were lucky. And it's like, no, we weren't lucky. We played just after the park. We just weren't as good as Rangers should be. And Falkirk played a lot better than they did, you know. And I think you get a lot of that. It's the relentlessness, usually, of Rangers and Celtic winning isn't very interesting. So you'll look for another story. But so you, I used to just be quite happy to take that, take this leg in, but it really got malicious. No, don't don't get it wrong. We need to we need to remember the BBC. The BBC Scotland did the whole thing about Craig White exposing him, uh, mm-hmm. and we had Rangers fans doing it. You know, uh, Pacific Key kind of protesting about that. Um, no, not very many, but it was. You know, it's no always been bad, but I and if I'm noticing it, it is bad. It was. It became ludicrous. The kind of the digs that were having at us. You know, and when I think this is a big political victory um, in terms of. I don't think BBC have the influence, BBC Scotland, but the influence they used to have when it comes to, to broadcasting. And I think Rangers have won this. If any, if, if there can be a winner, Rangers have won this in that us getting 55, getting to the Europa League final, absolutely massive stories. And they've had to kind of be in the outside looking in. Um, I think it's that, I think it's their success. It's brought them back, you know, apologising. Um, but, I mean, Sky and, you know, other other platforms are, are kind of kicking their ass just now anyway. And I don't think sports scenes are very good programme anymore. Um, has no, no, just because, no, just because of kind of, uh, anti, any anti-Rangers bias, true or false. Um, I think it's just a, a really a really kind of poor programme. And I think we saw we examples last night. Um, no coverage, no, no discussion whatsoever of the, uh, the Cholax goal that was disallowed. You know, and Michael Stewart being snippy and all that, that's, that's fine, that's... That's what Rangers. That, that's what Rangers are. There. When your team's not getting talked about, you're in trouble. And I'm always, I'm always careful of overreacting to somebody who's been a bit snide or whatever. We should be big enough to to take that. But let, when we go back to the thing about McCoy, you know, some of the stuff they, they, they did through the years was pretty low. Um, I don't listen to sports sound anymore, and yeah. I'm somebody who I'm somebody who purposely will try and know my enemy, so to speak. Even you know, I used to love sports sound. I mean, listen off the ball and what have you. Even though they're slagging Rangers, Rangers rotten, I'll you know try and take it and try and be mature about it because there has to be a way forward with people. Um, I'm not into this like we have to hate everybody who isn't you know 100 pro Rangers. Um, I think it's a dangerous way. The world the world's going like that in general. We have to you know even in football we could do something about that, but. Yeah, some of this stuff was just getting really malicious. I mean, not even when Portland Scotland doesn't even has hardly mentioned the fact a Scottish club was in a European final. Yeah, no, I don't remember that. Yeah, and I, I really separate report. I really separate BBC Scotland um, from the BBC uh, in in general because um, I love the BBC uh, as uh, in general. Even though it's had a hell of a time over the years. I think it's something that's needed, and it really, really went against my argument. This stuff that was happening um, with, with sports scene and with. Uh, the, 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 the fallout with Rangers but um, I'm glad it's been resolved but I, I think there's still going to be a lot of snidiness and what have you and that, that's, that's, that, you know it, it just depends what, what level it goes to if it becomes something that's kind of look, put it this way we have seen a league title decided in the boardroom and last season when Celtic um, and a few other clubs obviously but when Celtic kind of basically we were knocked out we're the season wasn't played to the schedule it was meant to be played to, you know, and it really, I think it ultimately did cost us the league. Um, maybe it shouldn't have, maybe it's weird to blame for that as well. But I think that was a, that was a, that was a massive moment, and there was no. I did, I did listen to um, sports sound at that point. I remember Richard Gordon going, "Everybody knows it's because we want to wait to get, you know, we've got to get fans back into the ground." There was a kind of dismissiveness about why about Rangers kind of problem with, with, with this happening, and I think now. With so much of football kind of decided politically, it, it does, it, it works out well for us to have 
the BBC, not on side, but have them back in, a, in our room as well. Sure. Uh, I mean, Eric described it as a victory for Rangers. Sir. Would, would you agree with that? Um, I think that, um, well, I have to say, I, I've been privy to, privy to a number of parts of various discussions over a few years now and kind of know the inside track on one or two things. And this was a, a long time in coming. Two, two, two rather substantial points uh, that I'll make. The apology when it came came from the BBC who'd actually locked themselves out of Ibrox, if you remember. Mm-hmm. And they apologised for their behaviour. Therefore, to my mind, um, and uh, a certain QC that I, I, I know, um, that is basically an admission of guilt. The other thing that probably nobody saw or, or not everybody was aware of was that last season Rangers reached the Europa League final and questions were asked from Salford and Manchester as to why a team like Rangers reaching a European final was not being covered or catered for by the local broadcaster. I don't think that, I, I, for me, there's no surprise that all of this has come ahead this summer after Rangers reached a European final and suddenly an apology coming from the BBC. I think you can join the dots up there and, and, and basically tell that there'll be one or two people put under a bit of pressure for that. Listen, you're always going to get criticism. I, you know, I covered Rangers for the best part of 10 years non-stop and had a few fallouts with Rangers myself and um, told a few times not to bother coming back, uh, be that from... um, Walter Smith, or especially Archie Knox, um, and you you got on with it because it's your job to be, um, you know, you can't just keep he- heaping praise on teams. You have to be critical at times, um, and I think some people can take that, and other people can't take that kind of criticism. The fact of the matter is that if there is any kind of criticism or snidiness or anything like that now. You you will you you can you can spot it. It's not because anything I would say that Rangers are doing or Rangers have done. It's being directed for a, for a purpose or for a reason, and you just have to get on with it. I always say in these matters, you rise above these things because ultimately, if you do, you'll take the moral high ground. You were saying that it was linked to the Europa League final. Any any sort of suspicion that it's maybe linked to a certain Mister Richard Gordon leaving the WC? No, but no, I, 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 I think um, given given who I had um, dinner with uh, a couple of weeks back um, and various conversations around that, I think it was way, way above a great many people um, either at, uh, at BBC Scotland or in individual programmes. So it was it was from on high. No. Right, uh, I'll, I'll give you the sort of last shout. Uh, it'll just need to be a quick sort of summary. But big game on Tuesday night uh, over to Belgium to play Union Saint Gilles or Gilles. Have I spelled or pronounced that properly? Union Saint Gilles. Gilles. Yeah, but I think they just call them USG, which is quite good. USG. <laughs> okay, uh, So I mean, huge game. Uh, I was trying to look at uh, the press kit on the UEFA website today, but I, I couldn't find anything. Uh, don't really know a huge amount about this team Eric, and but I, I, I do get the feeling it's not going to be as easy a fixture as maybe some think it's going to be I'm really glad that you've only got a wee amount of time and also that they are total money ball they have kind of low profile players so I can get away with the fact that I know nothing about any of their players I've done no research <laughs> into their actual team Patrick Kasky read his Twitter account he, he's got a total analysis from a few weeks back um, of of the actual players, but the thing is, calling it, they're a kind of it's a kind of money ball scenario. Um, it's it's uh, I've put up I put up my Twitter page not because I'm looking for Twitter followers, but just to give credit where it's due because I think the website is it's a YouTube channel HITC Sevens, quite a weird name. So I put up my Twitter um, account just for folk to see. They did a great um, review of Union St Joe as their their, their, their history. And more to the point, what they were doing, I think it was at the halfway point last season, they nearly won the Belgian League. They were top of the Belgian yeah, League yeah. in their first season back for 50 years. 
Um, they're, they're a kind of, they're nicknamed the Unionists, which, oh, great, the Rangers, but their fans, uh, our nickname was Le Boys, for the age. <laughs> You know, um, they're a bit, they're a bit kind of uh, trendy, a bit kind of hipster. Um, they're kind of like comedy. You can't do that thing of really comparing uh, apples and pears when it comes to the Belgian league and the Scottish league. But a bit of a kind of like they've got a ground like Third Lanark, the New Catherine Park. Um, so that's why we're not playing them in uh, Brussels. We're playing them in Leuven. Uh, can he hold uh, European football? Uh, but it's it's a kind of a ground in a forest. They're a bit like Partick Thistle because they don't come from. St- they, they, they're named after the, the, the St Giles district, but they're actually in the Forest district uh, of Brussels. And they're most like Queens Park, and their glory days where you know uh, over a over a century ago. Um, and they're just making a really interesting comeback. Um, and they they hadn't played in the top flight for like fifty years. And then they come back last season and they finished top of the Belgian league at the end of the regular season. They have this crazy playoff thing in Belgium where you then the top, you half the number of points um, you've won during the season, then the, the top right. six play off and all that. So they were really unlucky to lose the league. But the thing is, they just buy cheap and they've turned guys, like absolute nobodies, into Belgium internationals and they're, they're taking guys you've never heard of. And they're, they're a bit, they're maybe the, the Livingston of Europe, if you like. You know that they hit an counter attack, but they do it brutally well. Um, they get players on the cheap. It's all part of this new thing. There's a lot of English teams with a lot of interest in Belgian clubs because of the Brexit is restricting the, the the ability to get work permits for foreign players until they're maybe international standard. He's pumped money into them um, and they're trying to say they're separate, you know, but I think there are a few, they've already had a few loan deals and I think they, they played Brighton in the summer. They played Brighton mm-hmm. in the summer, Drew 0-0, they played uh, Sporting Club Portugal, Drew with them and they pumped Feyenoord 4 nothing. Um, they're they're handy, they're, 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 they're pretty handy, they know what they're doing, but I think they've changed manager. And they've lost a few of these star players. They got the guys they, they've made into stars last season. Right. So this is their first foray into Europe for like uh, half a century. So I'm hoping, I'm hoping um, it's maybe a step too far for them just now. But, but it, it could go either way. It's, it's, it's dangerous. Uh, very quickly, sure. I mean, if, if Rangers get through this and then get to the playoff and, and, and indeed make the Champions League group stage, do you think that would represent sort of full recovery from from 2012? Oh, I, I think. I think you're probably beyond that already. I think I, I think last season, you know, us older, more mature people um, um, will, will, you know, look back in various um, sorties into Europe that Rangers have had and, and, and finals that they've reached and nearly reached in the likes. I, I think last season was such a... It was like a, it was like a, somebody surfing on the biggest wave they could find. I don't think, I don't think people will appreciate it and what Rangers achieved last season. I don't think they'll, they'll appreciate it for another two, three, four, five years even because it was the euphoria of actually big, significant nights taking place at Ibrox again, and also. The, the coverage and exposure that Rangers got last season was akin to, I would say it was akin to the, the, the first days of the, the, the Champions League um, and the games against Leeds United and everything that happened thereafter and, you know, and, and reaching the UEFA Cup final uh, under Walter. I, I, think, I think that, you know, in a, another couple of years, we'll look back on what happened last season in the same way as we did about about Manchester. You know, I think it was it was that big, and I think anybody who's you know anybody who tries to um, write Rangers off or belittle what they achieved last season and you know and and basically start talking about 2012 again. Listen, I think that 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 bus has moved. Maybe not the train. Um, that's a different matter in Scotland. But uh, I think that that bus has moved on. And on that note, <laughs> with, the, with that dig at Scott, can I, uh, can, I can I just can I just say something very very quickly here? And I, I, I won't labour the point. Um, a couple of weeks ago, um, I lost as we all did uh, a guy we really really admired, uh, and I, I had a. You know, the chance to call my friend and Andy Gorham and um, sadly I I was away at the other end of the country with 
uh, you know, one or two, you might know one or two things that happened um, last week um, and, and wasn't able to make it back um, up the road for the, the, the funeral, which is, is one of these things. But uh, I have to say, uh, he was one of the, the guys I get closest to at Rangers at a time when Rangers were box office, winning the treble, you know, coming within a, a a, a goal or a, a couple of points he reached the Champions League final and and I think it was a measure of everything that Ranger did during that period of time that you had Andy Gorham between the sticks and somebody who will forever ever more be recognised and known as the goalie that just doesn't happen if somebody you know somebody somebody's given that um, you know kind of label or that kind of tag um, simply because of what they do Every every Saturday, that's a measure you just how good the guy was, and he'll be sorely missed. Yeah, we will. And, uh, very hard to disagree with anything you said there, Stuart, uh, and, and and very heartfelt it was as well. Uh, and on that note, uh, we'll, we'll we'll call we'll call quits tonight. A big thanks to to Eric and to Stuart for the the contributions. Great stuff as always. We were live tonight on the, the Sunday, a bit late because of my leaky roof, but we were live tonight. <laughs> The show will be uh, available to download or stream on a variety of platforms from tomorrow, including Acast, iTunes, YouTube, Sky, uh, Castbox, Stitcher, Spotify, all your usual places. Uh, we'll have a show out. We'll, I don't know if we've got anything planned for a preview for uh, Tuesday night. I, I think it will be next Friday before we're, we're back on air. And obviously we'll be back next Sunday. Uh, in the meantime, get yourself onto the Jersnet website and forums at www.jersnet.co.uk. That's the first uh, game of the season out the road, guys. Until next time, bye for now.